Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturbins. I come to this morning uh, in the series, got a, had a brand new t-shirt made. It says, The Power of Us. You can get there from here. And that series is not done by a long shot. But I have been, what I believe, divinely interrupted, and I don't know why exactly, but that's okay. Uh, I wasn't looking for this. I wasn't planning it. Um, and it's a, it's a title called The Place Where the Oil is Made. Several of you requested notes and I sent them, but I've lived with that passage of Scripture all week long. Hmm. Hardly to the point of being able to talk about it. Bless the hearts of about 10 other pastors who send me text messages and say, hey, what's going on? And, of course, they got an earful for as long as they would listen uh, of what's going on. And we're going we're gonna to do that. But I want you to join me in singing an old, an old chorus um, that, uh, that when Philippians chapter 2 says that God has given Christ a name above every name, I, I, I've said this for 30 years, and I need to say it again. There's no magic in saying the name Jesus, the five-letter word, J-E-S-U-S. The term, the word name means the span of control or influence. It's a great word that's even related to the concept of household, uh, it, it, it loosely. But, um, but it represents that control. But it's onoma. It means the, the name, the span of control. And I've said this to you so many times, and forgive me for repeating it, but it's like if you were to go somewhere and you couldn't get in, but the person said, when you go, use my name. Say my name, and it will get you in. So when we say it, see, it's just when we say that he's given him a name above every other named thing. You see, thing, named things come with force. If someone says you have a cold, C-O-L-D, that is the name of a, of, a, of a physical malady that comes our way. We're not deeply moved when someone says, I have a C-O-L-D. That named thing, it's just like we know, well, okay, well, you'll get over it. I mean, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. But there's no thing. But if a person walks up to you, and even unemotionally, but let alone with, with in the grip of, of an emotional reality they're dealing with, and say, I've I just told that I have stage four cancer, and it's far more advanced. You see, when you say that named thing, cancer, it carries with it a punch that you feel. And it is not just psycho-emotional. There's a spiritual element to named things. It carries with it the force. You see, straight from hell, cancer carries the connotation that it says, here is that thing that still lies well beyond the grip of human science to be able to resolve this problem and this point of pain that has just intersected with your life. And we know that it's uh, there's this lucky reach maybe out there beyond something's going to happen. And the force of that just pounds away. But here's the good news, beloved. Scripture says that God has given us a name above anything that carries a name. He bestowed upon Him the name. He bestowed upon Him the span of control or influence that towers above the spiritual force when you hear that word cancer, when you hear that word divorce, when you hear the words, I'm sorry, you're terminated, when you hear the words bankruptcy, when you hear whatever you may hear that carries the force, there is God has bestowed upon J-E-S-U-S a span of control or influence. And I just felt the need at the front side of this study 
we're about to do. I love this old song. It says, just say the name of Jesus. Now, I see, I know what I just told you. You said, well, you just told me it wasn't J-E-S-U-S. No, we don't say J-E-S-U-S because it's a Harry Potter ecclesiastical magic potion. We speak the name of Jesus because we understand the authority that comes with it. He says he's given him authority, a name above every other named thing. So if you're sitting here today and you don't know what to pray and don't know what to say, there's a son, you can say, Father, I come in the name of Jesus. Help me. That prayer works right there. Help me. Help me. I come to stand. So say the name of Jesus. I want anybody here that's heard one of those words hit you. I don't know what word it is that came. What named thing came against you this week? Uh, this hand of oath and covenant lifted up between two worlds. If you're just one of those this week and that name thing sort of came there, just hold up your hand right now. Say the name so precious, no other name I know that can calm my fears and dry your tears and wipe away your pain when you don't know what else to pray and you can't find the words to say just say that name father we come in the name of jesus today quicken strengthen lord i have a sense of where this word is going and where our study is going there are people who walk here father morning there are people who walked in here pushing back against life there are people walked in here with grief and distress but they're not going to leave the way they came father there is an oil of gladness that will be poured out there is a joy that sets before them and they are about to receive that not from the words of man but from the spirit of god i love you and i praise you i ask it in jesus name Amen. I want you to turn and tell the person one more time. Say, it's not an accident. You're here in this room today. Hallelujah. Thank you, son. Hallelujah. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Here, I'm holding up before you. That's a really good sermon. You need to, you need to come back next week and hear. It's, it's, it's good. Okay, let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you about it. The, uh, I'm, I'm going to whet your appetite. We're going we're gonna to go back and review something that I modeled. It's an advocate, and re, 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 reviewing that word this week, uh, the, the parakletos, the paraclete, that, G, that, that John would write in his letters, he says, we have an advocate before the Father. Now here's the word, would you realize we live in a world on which judgment has fallen? John 3 says that, but the cross was the force that has begun to reverse that judgment. It's not going to be consummated until the end of the age. There's this big $50 phrase in theology called inaugurated eschatology. See, anybody ever watch the inauguration on uh, any of them, of presidents? See, that's where the word is. It's the beginning. It's inaugural. It's the inauguration when we say, okay, it's about to start. But see, the word eschatology refers to the end. So this little, this $50 theological phrase it, it reduced to this. It's starting now, but it's not over yet. It's already, but it hasn't been finished. 
How many know that phrase describes our life right now? There are things that God has been done, begun, but he's not finished. And that happens not just on an age-long basis, but on a week-to-week basis. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to have you talking to each other today, perhaps more than usual. But uh, uh, I look at the person next to you and say, isn't it good news that God's not done with you yet? Come on. And if they don't nod back, if you're married, do not seek opportunity with that. Okay? Just, just walk away. Leave it alone. Okay? <clears throat> Let me just tell you the story of what seized my heart, and it was out of nowhere, had nothing to do with anything. I have to attribute it to the Holy Spirit because I wasn't studying it, looking for it. I don't, I'm not even sure how it found me. But it was in Matthew 26, and it's the story of Jesus going to pray in the night that he would be betrayed and arrested his trial would start, and literally within an extended number of hours, the Son of God would be crucified. Now, it's important for us to understand that we view the cross through these sympathetic, almost Hollywood eyes, and that's, that, that, that is great. What he did for us cannot be overstated. I mean, it just, you can't, it, 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 there is no statement that can describe it. But beloved, what we miss, go read Paul, the Apostle Paul, and what he says about the over- the, the after effect, what, 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 how he references the cross on the other side of the cross. See, right now, on the front side of the cross, it was pain and suffering, and it is all of that. I'm not minimizing it, but I'm wanting you to understand the takeaway story that God wants us to have from the cross. The cross is one thing, victory, victory. I want to say it again. The cross is victory. It's the place where death hell and the, and the grave begin to be conquered. At resurrection, uh, it was just a statement of it. But the Paul writing says that the victory was on the cross. We think resurrection was it. Resurrection was just a statement. Resurrection was the statement, see, I told you. That's what it was. But the victory was on the cross. That's important to get because Jesus is be, in this garden of Gethsemane. He's going to be empowered for the victory. You've got to get that today. He's being empowered for the victory. I'm going to say that. He's being empowered for the victory. That's what the Garden of Gethsemane is. In verse 36 of of chapter 26 of Matthew, it says, he came to a place called Gethsemane. I want to replace it with its meaning. It's from an Aramaic term that means the oil press. The oil press is an important, is a, it should be a natural conclusion because, see, Jesus went to pray at the foot of the Mount of Olives. So in an olive orchard, and by the way, I know I'm repeating many of the things I said last week, but I just have been pressed upon by the Holy Spirit to come back again and tell this again and say it again. At the base of this olive garden or orchard was a place where olives could be taken and crushed and squeeze so that the oil could come out. Now let me tell you about olive oil. Olive oil was used as a base for several different anointing processes. As a matter of fact, I, I have a bottle of oil brought out here today. This is, this is extra virgin olive oil. It says anointing oil. Somebody's making money on that, okay? And it has some other spices that come from Scripture. There's nothing magic in this. There's no pixie dust. It, it, when you open it, sparkles won't come out. I, keep, I, I reference Harry Potter or other magic movies or whatever. That's not magic in this. But yet, 
When we pray for people, I believe that, that, that there's something that goes beyond spiritual and religious symbolism. When we, when we use it as a tool of worship to that end. It is not, please hear me, baptism, getting wet for Jesus is not magic. Eating juice and crackers at the table of the Lord is not magic. Pouring oil, laying hands on people is not magic. Watch this. Any more than when Israel took the Ark of the Covenant, because see, every other time, the Ark of the Covenant had been commanded to go before them in battle, and so now they decided what they were going to do, and they just said, hey, we'll grab the Ark of the Covenant. We know that if we take that thing out there, baby, things pop. He takes it out there, and it says, and God wasn't there. You see, God can't be reduced to formulas or containers God is this free flow. He is God. And he is not a system, religion, creed, or wrapped up in a container of doctrines or finite theology. He will always be bigger than that, and that should be very good news for every one of us in this room. Things in the Old Testament were anointed with oil. You can go and read through it over and over and over. Last year when we were doing a series entitled Anointing, I made the comment about how the phrase is used, misused and abused in, in, in many church circles. And I don't need to go into that little soapbox speech. I'm just going to leave it where it is and, and move on past it. But here's two things that happen. when a, a, And I said that it's um, uh, uh, prophets, priests, kings, and things. The things were articles for the tabernacle. Prophets were anointed, priests, judges were anointed, uh, kings were anointed, and th articles for the tabernacle and the temple, and the tabernacle itself was anointed, okay? Uh, places that were given to worship. But here is the recurring theme and thing about anointed items. They were used as a designator for God setting them aside for His holy purpose. Everybody say purpose. And then he, everybody say purpose. Now look at the person next to you and say, you have a purpose. Come on, listen to me. The second thing that he pledged, especially where people were involved, is that as he anointed them and set them aside for a purpose, he would give them the power to carry out that purpose. How many know that God has not called us and anointed us unto a purpose that he will not give us power to carry out and walk in? How many are glad this life of faith that we live in, we have not been called to walk this out and stand in a place of alleged righteousness as an overcomer all on our own? God doesn't just say, yeah, I've called you, go for it. No, he says, I've called called you, I've anointed you. See, and as we come to the New Testament, some amazing scripture come to the surface, the most profound of which will always be Jesus quoting Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 when he announced at the inauguration of his ministry in the synagogue, having come right out of a wilderness, 40 days of fasting, having confronted the adversary or the adversary come to him, having stood on the word of God three times over, it is written, and just after that shortly he rises and he says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, freedom to prisoners, the favorable year of our Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn in Zion, giving them an oil of, and I'm going to give away the end of the story right here, to give them an oil of gladness instead of mourning, a mantle, a wrapper, a robe of praise, and a wrapper of renown. 
to give them a mantle of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness, so that they may be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. That is sure-footed, roots going down, standing, not moving, swerving, swaying, or being blown about, standing rock solid to carry out the purpose of God. John would write, we are the anointed in whom the anointing abides. You see, he's referring to the Holy Spirit. So watch this. As we come to the New Testament, the oil of the Old Testament is inextricably intertwined with the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't separate it. So whenever you're talking about that oil, you're talking about a Holy Spirit engagement. You're talking about being set aside with a purpose, and that Holy Spirit becomes the power to carry out that purpose. There is no place in Scripture that is more greatly celebrated and brought to bear right in our face than in Acts chapter 2 when it said the day had fully come Spirit time happened again. Spirit time happened again like had not happened since the last day in Eden when mankind left and God and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit left the Garden of Eden. But 1,450,278 days later, if you're a purist for biblical days, I don't know that I am. But that many days later in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it said, when the day had fully come, there came a sound that was reflective like, like the one that happened back in the Garden of Eden on a daily basis, and it said, and there was a mighty rushing wind that came running into that room. Scripture tells us that that was the inaugural event where the Spirit of God came to dwell in us, through us, empower us for a purpose, and it was that day that there was a new group of people that were launched forth from an upper room. They would be known as the anointed. The anointing is in you, beloved. The same way that there is oil inside the fruit of an olive. But there's one way that it gets to the surface of our life to be brought to bear, to empower us for our purpose, to walk through a moment and to a place of overcoming victory. And that's in the oil press. In Matthew 26, verse 36, it says, And he came to a place called the oil press. And when he had come there, I'm going to go over, I'm going to move through these very quickly because I want us to get on. And number one, and again, I've updated these notes. So even those of you that asked for them last week, uh, I'm going to go back and resend you these because I've lived in them, okay? But I want us to get what happened. When the likes of Saul and David would be anointed now out of a bottle, but one out of a, one out of a container, the other one out of a ram's horn, I think, um, when they were anointed, it said, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, and they were empowered to carry out the purpose and the surface, service for God as leading Israel. I want you to get that. When the oil is poured, there's an endowment with power to carry out the purpose. Suddenly, it separated them. That moment of anointing, listen to me, that moment of anointing was a transitional moment from what everything had been before, from whatever had been prior to that moment in their life to everything that would lie ahead. And so in Matthew 26, verse 36, will you put that up there, Amanda, please? It said he came, Jesus came to a place called yes, uh, the oil press, and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. I'm going to give you these things. I'm going to go through them pretty quickly, but I have them for you. I'll make them available. Number one, when I become aware that only prayer will get me where I need to go. When I become aware, when I'm in a moment that only prayer is going to get me where I need to go right now, I am in a place where the oil is made. Now, I want to qualify that statement. What do you mean by that? 
I'm in a place where that oil that was first poured and first used, it is brought to bear on the surface of my life. Why? Because I need this anointing. I need that fresh enduing with power to walk from this moment and into the victory that's out in front of me. Everybody got that? But when we stand at the edge of that moment, we don't see victory. We see a terminal reality. And we're going to read it right here. Number two, in verse 37, it says, Pray, my, and he says, my soul is grieved and distressed in verse 37. Uh, verse 38, he said, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and watch with me. He said, I want you to remain here and pray with me. We'll come to that in just a moment. But number two, when I feel so grieved and distressed that I don't feel like I will see tomorrow, I'm probably in a place where the oil is made. Now, you feel free to jump in here on this at any moment, every person who raised your hand, if at any moment, I'm not saying every one of these fit you, but it's perfectly okay to say the the Greek word that means so be it, and that is amen. Amen. So be it means I want that, I need it right now in my life, amen. That's why we say amen. It's not sectarian religious style. It's an out loud declaration that, Father, I don't care what anybody else hears more than you. I'm going to partner with this moment because I believe I just heard something not from the preacher's lips, but I heard it from another place in heaven where you're making something binding there that I need to make binding here. So, amen. Amen. So, here we go. When I feel so grieved and distressed that I might not see tomorrow, I'm probably in a place where the oil is made. Okay. Number three. In Matthew 39, it says, he went a little beyond them and fell on his faith, praying, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. I'm thinking of, hold on. There's an old song that says that, and I'll think of the verse that you need to hear by the time I've done. It'll run back here. Uh, trust me, okay? Now, here's the principle. When I am begging God for any different path forward than the one that is before me, and heaven is silent, I might be in a place where the oil is made. Why? Is God playing games with me? No. No. And you'll know that by the end of this story. But I want to say that again. When I am begging God for any different path forward than the one that is before me and heaven is silent, you're probably in a place where the oil is made. I want to tell you again, there are, you know how many times I hear people say to me, Pastor, would you pray that I could get a new word from God? It, when I used to carry, and you know what, I'm going to start bringing my, my Bible Bible out because there's some things that I, I need to show you with it, but... I, I, I would very frequently, if a Bible was near, I'd say, well, yeah, I will. But have you exhausted the old ones right here? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Get in the Word. You need to know what is written. I don't mean memorize the whole thing. Read it. Start with the book of John. Love the book of John. Read the Psalms. Get some wisdom from Proverbs. Just read those three if you want, over and over and over and over. Learn the story of truth and the unleashing of grace and truth that happens in 21 chapters of that precious gospel. I love it. Then read the Psalms to find a place of praise for everyone that walked through problems, valleys, dark spaces, came out on the other side and said, I felt like screaming at God. In fact, I did, but I found him to be a faithful shepherd that walked me through the valley 
valley of the shadow of death to the mountaintop on the other side that he had promised that I could not see. And then Proverbs to get some wisdom so you don't do, think, say, and act on stupid things. It's right there. 31 great chapters of that book. You can read through it so quick. And you, there's not a day that you'll read the book of Proverbs that you won't find something of a piece of wisdom that you need to say or enlightens you as to something you need to go back and tell your wife, you know, I'm sorry I said that because the Bible says right here that was pretty stupid. Okay? So it's a good place to go. Just those three. So you can stand up and say, it is written. Can I tell you, at the, can I testify here for a minute that at the critical cross-sections of my life, where I had to stand in the face of things coming against me. It wasn't a prophetic word from somebody. It wasn't somebody else praying. It was the moments where the word of God that I knew that was written, that I had read before, was suddenly illuminated at such a level of power it became irrefutable. It was not the words of someone else, and I became aware that God didn't make something up for me on the fly from that day. That God had something written before the foundation of the world that he knew I would need on that day, at that moment, how many ever years later, and it suddenly came alive to me. And like Jesus in the wilderness before the adversary, the moments of victory that you will have are the moments that you can rise and say, I don't care what you're saying, whispering, echoing, haunting, trying to shame me with, put me down, push me back. I can look you in the face and say, it is written. Hallelujah. Hmm. Preach, brother. Preach. Come on. Yesterday I was talking with Pastor Matt about this, and we were both on the telephone talking and crying. And when I got to this point, he goes, oh, Pastor, look at this one. I said, talk to me, boy. And he said, watch this, verse 40 and 41. And you put those up there, man. I know I'm calling for you without notice. You're awesome. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, could you men not watch with me for one hour? He said, essentially, watch and pray. The next verse says, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The fact is, they didn't. They fell asleep. Boy, when, when, he, when he shared this with me, I said, oh, son, listen. When I come to the moment that I discover I cannot depend on the prayers from those around me, that I have to depend on the prayers from within me, I'm probably in a place where the oil is made. And you can do it. I'm going to say it again. I cannot, when I come to a place where I discover I cannot depend on the prayers of those around me, that doesn't mean nobody's faithful. That doesn't mean get an attitude and say, I just wish I could get somebody to pray for me. No, you're in a place. In those, look, listen here. God is trying to get the power back to the surface of your life. God is saying there's an anointing in you that you don't know is in you, and I'm about to squeeze it to the surface of your life to be brought to bear on this moment so you can secure the victory that's right in front of you. That's what the cross was. The cross was victory. You're going to secure that victory right in front of you. And at these moments, everything is pushed aside. And it's, Father, I've got to talk to you. I've got to get with you. I've got to seek your face. When you do that, you're in a place that the oil is made. You're not going to say, oh, I just wish I could get somebody to pray. Hallelujah. Let me tell you again. I think I, I don't recall what happened last week. I'm getting too old to remember what happened last week. That's why I can preach the same sermon, hide my own Easter eggs, do all that, you know. It's a good anointing. It's a great time in life. But listen to this. When you run out of hope, you can't see tomorrow. 
The sun coming up Only promises sorrow I'll wait on you, Lord And stand still What I thought wouldn't last Has become my forever I see no other chance I've accepted the never I've accepted the silence I'll wait on you, Lord Stand still Give me a second verse, Amanda, if you would this is not what I hold, but it's what I've been handed, not where I thought I'd be, but here I am standing, I'll wait on you, Lord, and stand still. Listen to the Jesus in the garden. I read the words that you say Now I have to believe them My next step must be faith But it's not what I'm seeing I'll wait on you, Lord And stand still For us this And I will say to my soul do not be shaken God alone is my rock My sure foundation Always been there Always will If I can wait on you, Lord Stand right here mm. Number five, listen to me. He said, my spirit is willing, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. When I become aware that the weakness of my flesh seems to be greater than the strength of my spirit. I want to say that again. Anybody ever discovered that the magnificence of your weakness seems to absolutely push aside commitments we've made in spirit? Is there anybody in the room? But when I become aware that the commitment I made in spirit exceeds the capacity of my flesh to bring it to pass, and I'm coming right at it, you are probably in a place where the oil is made and that power is being squeezed to the surface of your life because you will walk not by might, not by power, but by my spirit and anointing, says the Lord of hosts. You will not stand in the flesh. It's in those moments that you are empowered for victory and overcoming, and you will mark it on the calendar of your life. Number six, when I don't know who to trust and I take the next step forward anyways, <laughs> Jesus would rise and say, get up, let's go. They're coming for me. Didn't make any difference. You see the transition happening. You see the transition happening, okay? Okay. Uh, I'm just going to cut to chase where we're headed here. In the end of this passage of Scripture in verse 53 or 54, 
Peter has stood up and tried to undo the words Jesus had just spoken to him and said, you're going to deny me three times before the sun comes up. With well-intentioned Peter doing what Peter does, steps up. And when somewhere with Judas, with three to five hundred people come and they step up with swords and clubs, Peter reacts in like kind, pulls out the sword, cuts off the guy, the priest, the ear of the priest, uh, of the servant of the priest. And Jesus responds to Peter, see, something's happened here. Something's happened. He says, how then? He says, put your sword back. He says, don't you believe that I can appeal to my father and that he would put at my disposal all sorts of angels? How did he know that? Nothing had been talking back. He had been praying all night long and nobody's saying anything back. It's silent. But something was going on in his soul. Something was being squeezed to the surface of his life. There was not a new word, and there was not a fresh word. The will of God would be performed. The victory before him was certain. There was no other path out. It wasn't a new word or a fresh word, but it was the word within our Savior, within the anointed one that was being crushed and squeezed to the surface of the life, for the power of that anointing could be, anointing could be brought to bear and secure the victory, the very victory that gives us the ability to gather here, worship, and know that we're not going to hell. Say amen right there. When I suddenly discover, and two times he says that as a matter of fact, when I suddenly discover that the words I've read in the Word of God were written for this moment, and that I will choose to trust those words in this moment, I'm definitely in a place where the oil is made. This would be poured out there was a human recipient that would be anointed, it would be poured on their head. I was sitting, <clears throat> I'm not going to get through this. <laughs> you see, if you're here today, and it's the first time to New Hope, or you haven't been around a church like New Hope, whatever that may mean, I don't even know. You say this whole word, anointing, I can only ask that the Spirit of God communicate the essence of what's happening here, because in the end, it is that. I haven't just grabbed a little buzzword to play with. Somewhere towards the end of the week, just in the last day or two. Boy, it's so exposed. Did, did you know, did, did you catch what happened in Isaiah 61? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He's poured something into me. But then two verses later, he says, instead of mourning and ashes, I'm going to give you an oil. See, the oil that he squeezes to the surface of your life transforms grief into sorrow into gladness. Now, how could that possibly happen? How could it happen? Tell me what goes on in the place where the oil is made. Tell me what happened in that garden. You see, because we read something that would be written 30 to 40 years later by a writer we still argue over who wrote the book of Hebrews. But you get to chapter 1, verses 12, uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and it makes this kind of statement. It said, go, go on down to verse 2, if you would. It says, uh, put your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Here comes the statement. Everybody look at that screen. Who for the joy set before him. That got me this week. You see, he may have entered the place where the oil is made by his own lips saying, 
I'm sorrowful, distressed, grieved, despairing, and I don't think the sun's coming up tomorrow. I'm not strong enough to make it. I want a different path. I got to have one, Father, in the name of, in the name of your, <laughs> in my name. I need a different path forward, but one doesn't happen. See, but what we learn, because we know the end of the story, that something happens right at that moment where the sorrow and grief that he entered Gethsemane was transformed to a joy. I think it's somewhere around that verse where he says, stand up. They're coming for us. We're not going to wait for them. We're going to it. Because I've been in the place where the oil is made, and what if it has happened here in the last many hours is it's been squeezed to the surface of the life, and I've discovered that I am the anointed, one in whom the anointing has been placed. And this situation isn't destroying it, isn't removing it. The devil messed up one more time. All he did was bring me to a place to be squeezed so what was in me could be brought to the surface and brought to bear on the moment. I'm not waiting for them to come. They're coming for me. Get up. Come on. Get up. Get up. Let's go. Let's go see him and talk about what's on the other side of here, because I'm about to tell them that whatever their agenda is, whatever the agenda of hell might be, I want to tell you, boys, you can come with me with spears and clubs and, and swords and everything that you want to come. You can arrest me and beat me. But I want to tell you there's an outcome coming because we know the end of the story because it's already written. It's already been declared. The psalmist and the prophets wrote about it, and it's going to end up just like they say. And I might have been doubting it, standing in the grief and pressing squeeze of the moment but something's been squeezed to the surface of my life and it's no longer grief and sorrow I'm walking out of here with joy and gladness because about three days from now there's a sure and certain victory oh my I hope you're there for the moment when I'm in a place that the oil is made I'm going to do something right here Pond, I'm going to pick on you <laughs> Come here, son, if you would. Brenda, I'm going to need your help. I hadn't determined I was going to pick on you, but I need you to help me with that. And I just, I haven't cued you on what's about to happen here. So I hope you have a good detergent at home. Hey, I'm going to tell you, you don't have to get crazy, but, you know, you do whatever. You see, when a person, hang on, when a person was first set aside for service, the oil would be poured. See, we pray for people here, and we get a little oil on our finger, and we anoint them and do that. And that's not the way they did it in the Bible. They got all crazy about it. Now, Brenda just said, mmm, bro, I'm, this, there's no telling how this is going to go, bro, Okay. <laughs> because this is sort of her thing here. It would be poured on the head. It was aromatic. The scent of it would remain. Let's just take David for a moment. When it was poured on his head, there was a designated purpose that was declared in that time from the mouth of Samuel, where this was the king. And the Spirit of the Lord, it said, came upon him and empowered him. It was a transition moment where he was moving from what he had been, a shepherd by himself on the side of the hill, to an anointed king that would lead the people of God to extend the boundaries of that nation to its greatest extension. He would become a principal point of reference as a legacy to the Redeemer, to the Son of God that would come. He would become that person at that moment. He would be 
designated for purpose, and but he would be given the power. That moment that oil would have been poured, it would have been run down his head and down his cheek and gotten all over his clothes. But see, the anointing we're talking about doesn't land on our head, it lands in our heart. Doesn't land on our clothes. Now, listen to this. When I am in the place that the oil is made, it may seem I am praying alone. Heaven is silent. There is no one to trust. And I don't have the strength to make it to tomorrow. But then, there is this sensation in my spirit that trickles onto my head and it begins to run down the side of my face straight to my heart. It's the anointing within me that has been squeezed to the surface of my life. And once again, I find myself in the grip of the purpose that became unclear and lost to my sight, for which I have been set aside and anointed before the foundation of the world. And I discover that I have the promised power that comes with the things that are anointed because I am anointed and I have been in the place where the oil is made. God brought me back to the place that he anointed me with and reminded me there's a place that it comes from and there's a means by which it will come to the surface of your life. And it is only by a crushing and a squeezing. I may have entered the oil press distressed and grieved, but I will walk out of it with a joy that makes no sense for that which is set before me. A sure and certain victory. The oil press is a place of transition from the grief of the present moment to the joy of what lies ahead. It is only at that point that the grief and sorrow I experience as I entered this moment of the oil press is now behind me and there is nothing but only a joy set before me as I head out of the garden up the hill and to a moment of victory because I am anointed I am anointed stand to your feet please Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.